0: Okay, so here are some new Anki cards. Okay, so first card. Infant with fever, cough, lethargy, respiratory failure has numerous micronodular lesions in the liver, lung and the spleen. So, what is the diagnosis? It is miliary tuberculosis. Next. Coccidiomycosis can present with disseminated disease affecting lung, liver and spleen. Okay, so see. Miliary tuberculosis and also coccidomycosis has this disseminated disease. And they affect almost similar organs such as lung, liver and spleen. So that's why you have to make the differentiation among these two. Next, coxidoidus emittance is endemic in which area of United States? So it is southwestern area of United States and also northern Mexico. So southwestern area of United States and northern Mexico you'll see like uh, coxidomycosis. Uh, or coccyroides okay species next southwestern united states and northern mexico are like mainly for the coccyroides emittance neonatal listeriosis typically presents in the first few days of the life with fever rash and dash okay which is uh, early onset sepsis and in the first few day a few weeks of the life with meningitis okay so see in this uh, neonatal listeriosis, no. So the early onset of sepsis is because of is because of respiratory distress. Okay, but the late onset sepsis, which occurs like week after, is because of meningitis. So if someone says that uh, this neonate has the listeriosis and uh, uh, he is only like two days older, okay, he is born two days back. So then you have to think about early onset sepsis, and you will think about the respiratory distress thing, pneumonia sort of thing. Okay but if uh, they are talking about the neonates with the listeriosis and uh, after few weeks of the life so then you have to think about the meningitis next fetal hyperglycemia during the first trimester is associated with what it is associated with malformations okay so in the first trimester it leads to congenital malformations such as cardiac disorders and something like that now fetal hyperglycemia after first trimester is associated with perinatal complications such as dash birth injury and hypoglycemia so what are the complication fetal complications uh, after the first trimester so it is uh, uh, perinatal complications includes this macrosomia okay and the second one is birth injury and hypoglycemia so in the early onset like in the first trimester you will see this congenital heart defects and malformations and all this thing okay but in later onset you'll see that the baby has more size like huge size so macrosomic baby another one is this birth injury and hypoglycemia next next is dash sinosis is normal finding in newborn so answer is acrocinosis so if you see this acrocinosis in newborn no so then it's a normal finding okay next is normal reactive uh, uh, stress test so you must identify from that uh, particular graph okay where how you will identify that this is normal reactor so you'll see accelerations you'll see uh, ma- mainly you'll see accelerations okay no decelerations accelerations are never normal if you see two accelerations of more than equal to 15 beats and like amplitude differences of 15 and for 15 uh, seconds at least so oh no sorry for 15 ma- seconds yeah for 15 seconds then is uh normal okay next normal is known as reactive stress test okay now non-reactive stress test less than two accelerations okay next patients with the non-reactive non uh, non non-reactive stress test results and uh, normal dash score receive reassurance and routine care okay so they have this uh, non-reactive nst okay and also biophysical profile access is normal so, if someone says that biophysical profile is normal and uh, non-reactive stress test is also normal, then you don't have to do anything. Your baby is fine. You just have to reassure the parent and the routine care is given. Next, milk protein allergy may presence with blood, streaks, stool, and DASH. So, answer is blood, streaks, stool, and non-projectile vomiting. Vermice- okay, emesis. So, yeah. Milk protein allergy may present with blood streaks stools and non-projectile emesis. Next, treatment of a pyloric hypersten- hypertrophic stenosis. So, treatment consists of intravenous hydration and normalization of the electrolytes prior to the pyloromyotomy to decrease the risk of the post-operative apnea. Okay. So, the first we, are, we know that the treatment is pyloromyotomy. Okay. But before that, immediate next thing which we do is we'll give the intravenous hydration to the patient. Also, we'll normalize the electrolyte because... The baby has this uh, obstruction, no? So they, he has, uh, they, he is deficient in nutrients and uh, electrolytes, and also this water proper is not intaken. So therefore, you'll see that the baby is dehydrated. So you have to give the intravenous rehydration first, then normalize the electrolytes prior to the pyelodomyotomy, and this will reduce the risk of post-operative apnea. Okay, so that is uh, the important point. Next. Cervical dash is characterized by slow progressive weakness, numbness, ataxia involving the upper and the lower extremities. So, answer is cervical myo- myelopathy. Okay. So, cervical myelopathy uh, is uh, responsible for numbness and uh, all this thing. Yeah. Next. Next is dash causes exercise induced arm pain, paresthesia, coolness and color change that is uh, typically affecting the entire arm. Okay. So answer for this is subclavian steel syndrome so if you see that the uh, after exercise this patient is having this uh, arm pain paresthesias and his uh, arms are cool okay and calmy and uh, color changes there so then you have to think about that uh, subclavian steel syndrome next dissecting aortic hematoma so yeah we know about types of dissecting aortic hematoma one is type a another one is type b type b is uh, like descending thing and type a is uh, ascending thing okay yeah next the goal of initial therapy of aortic dissection is so whenever there is aortic dissection no so what is the goal of the initial therapy which will give so answer is it will uh, our main aim is to control the pain first of all adequate pain control second thing is we will reduce the systolic blood pressure to 100 to 120 mm of hg because the most important risk factors for this aortic dissection is hypertension right so if you'll reduce the blood pressure till 100 to 120 then uh, there is less chance of dissection again okay and also decrease in the left ventricular contractility to reduce the aortic wall stress via beta blockers so we are giving beta blockers immediately so why we give beta blockers because they reduce the left ventricular contractility and if left ventricular contractility is low so the cardiac output will be low and therefore uh, there will be like less wall stress on the aorta so yeah these are the three things which uh, are uh, used or the treatment goals for the aortic dissection. Now, intravenous beta blockers such as labetalol, propanolol and esmolol are used in aortic dissection. Why? Because they reduce the contractility I already mentioned. So, they reduce the heart rate. Also, they reduce the systolic blood pressure and re- reduce the contractility. So, basically, there are the three reasons. Now, Neuropsychiatric manifestations of the Cushing syndromes includes depressions and labile mold irritability and insomnia memory deficit and fatigue okay so one must know that uh, this uh, neuropsychiatric manifestations are also there in Cushing syndrome although we remember the skin features and other features but we forget about the neuropsychiatric manifestation so the patient with Cushing syndrome have this labile mold in anxiety irritability insomnia memory deficit and fatigue yeah next. Next is dash air leaking from the tracheobronchial tree into the pleural space can cause the hypotension and jugular venous distension. So answer for this is. Traumatic bronchial rupture, so in case of traumatic bronchial rupture, air is leaking from the tracheobronchial tree and it is entering into the pleural space and then it can cause the hypotension and jugular venous distension. Why? Because this air will compress the right heart, therefore there is jugular venous distension and also it is compressing a bit of a left heart, so there will be low cardiac output and therefore there will be hypotension as well. So it is seen in this uh, traumatic uh, bronchial rupture. Next. Lung contusion with uh, bleeding sufficient to cause the hypertension from the hypovolumia would be associated with the dash neck vein. Okay, so if it was a case of lung contusion, no. So, in case of that, you will see that neck veins are uh, flat. Okay, because this neck veins helps us to differentiate between this uh, lung contusion and also this traumatic bronchial rupture. Because if traumatic bronchial rupture is there, excessive air will come which will compress the right heart and cause the jugular venous distension. But if lung contusion is there, okay, and uh, there is sufficient bleeding, so it will cause hypotension, okay, because of the hypovolumia because of the bleeding, but it will not cause this jugular venous distension. There will be flat neck veins only. Yeah, so with this, you can differentiate between lung contusions and uh, that uh, bronchial wall rupture. Now, DASH is a potential severe cutaneous infections that begins at the umbilical stump with erythema, swelling, pus, and can lead to the sepsis, but no stiffness is there, okay? So, see... In case of tetanus, there is this uh, infection of the umbilical stump, erythema, swelling, pus, okay, and there is sepsis also. But there is this stiffness, okay. But if you see all the features of tetanus but there is no uh, like stiffness, okay, then you have to say that it is not tetanus, instead, it is omphalitis. So you have to differentiate between omphalitis and tetanus, yeah. So I hope you'll get it next incubation period of rabies ranges from so answer is weeks to months so rabies incubation ranges from weeks to months now Dash, that is burning intermittent epigastric pain and postprandial discomfort and postprandial blotting and nausea associated with positive stool guaiac test. Okay, so answer is dyspepsia. So, in case of dyspepsia, there is this burning intermittent epigastric pain, okay, and also there is postprandial discomfort, like after having food, there is discomfort and postprandial blotting is also there, nausea, and there is positive guaiac test. So, normally what we think that uh, in dyspepsia, why there is positive guaiac test? So, you have to uh, like from this word only, you can identify, okay, this is a case of dyspepsia, okay, like positive stool guesic test, yeah. I don't know what you pronounce this uh, guaiac but I call it guaiac only, yeah. Next, symptoms of the duodenal ulcers include dash pain, so answer is nocturnal pain, so in case of duodenal ulcers, you will have the nocturnal pain also, so yeah. Next is low urine osmolarity and low urine specific gravity that is less than or equal to 1.006. So, such as dilute urine, uh, which is seen in which condition? So, it is seen in diabetes insipidus, okay? So, if you see that urine osmolarity is also low, okay? And this urine specific gravity is also low, like overall dilute urine is passed. So, then you have to think about the diabetes insipidus. Next. Next is polyuria with a high serum osmolarity with high urine uh, is diagnosed di- what is the diagnosis so it is diabetes mellitus okay so how will you differentiate between the diabetes mellitus and diabetes insipidus so both have this polyuria like excessive amount of urine is uh, there but in case of diabetes since glucose is also leaking in the urine so you will see that this urine of the diabetes mellitus will have this uh, high osmolarity okay and serum osmolarity will also be high but in case of diabetes insipidus you will see that urine osmolarity will be low because that is a dilute urine next most dash medications includes the inhale beta agonist and inhale corticosteroids are safe and uh, their discontinuation may lead to worsening of asthma so answer is most asthma medication asthma medications are safe okay like they, they are safe in case of pregnancy so if a pregnant woman comes to you and she is having this ex- asthma exubera- exacerbation no so firstly what you will check is uh, instead of not giving the medications you have to check and ask her like whether you are you using the uh, inhaler properly or not that way. Okay, so yeah, because asthma medications are safe. Now, acute abdominal pain and rigidity, diffuse tenderness of the uterus, bleeding may or may not be seen. So what is this? It is abruptio placentae, but it is concealed type of abruptio placentae because they are saying bleeding may or may not be visible. But if bleeding, bleeding is visible, then you have to say that it is okay revealing type of the abruptio placentae. If uterine tenderness is there, think about the abruption. Now. The placental abruption can lead to the maternal hemorrhage, fetal hypoxemia, fetal demise and what else? So, DIC. So, this abruption can cause the disseminated intravascular coagulation and uh, maternal hemorrhage, okay, and also fetal hypoxia and fetal demise. Next degeneration of the uterine leomyoma presents with dash pain so answer is focal pain okay so if there is this degeneration of uh, uterine leomyoma no so like you have to differentiate between uterine leomyoma degenerations and also this abruptio placentae but in abruptio placentae there will be diffuse tenderness of the uterus but in case of this uh, degeneration of the uterine leomyoma there will be focal pain So, yeah, with this you can differentiate these two conditions. Now, entrapment of the uterus between the pubic symphysis and the sacral promontory occurs at uh, less than 20 weeks of the gestation with uh, constant lower abdominal pain which radiates to the back and also there is urinary retention due to the bladder obstruction. So, what is the diagnosis? so answer is uterine incarceration okay so yeah uterine incarceration so what does that means this uterus is entrapped between the pubic symphysis and the sacral promontory okay there is the at the back side there is sacral promontory and in the front there is pubic symphysis so in between these two this uh, uterus is entrapped and it is mainly seen in less than 20 weeks of the gestation but there will be less uh Uh, constant lower abdominal pain which radiates to the back and there may be urine retention also because of the bladder obstruction okay so if a woman with less than 20 weeks of gestation comes to you and she says that she is having this lower abdominal pain which is radiating to the back and also there is a urination difficulty urinary retention is there so you have to think about maybe it there are chances that it can be that uterine incarceration okay so that's it